SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Email me. Go to my website, OppositePicks.com. Hit the contact, Scott icon, and fire away. Emails, tweets, phone calls, little YouTube chat as well, right here on an Opposite Pick Sunday. Well, more overtime hockey, more blowouts in basketball, four quarters for a buck sweep. Uh, Portland even up to Denver. AD says he's A-OK. Donaldson scores. Baseball's two millionth run. Or did he? Uh, fans are back. Great. Talk about a live dog. French curl throwing Rockies in glass houses. Lucky 13 for the Mets. Unlucky 13 for the Diamondbacks. And a lock of all locks gets underway today. We'll get to all those stories, plus your phone calls, emails, and tweets. Again, right here on a Sunday, May 30th, day before Memorial Day, but all part of Memorial Day weekend. What's going on, LL's loyal listeners? How are you on this uh, Sunday morning? Hopefully, weather by you is a little bit better here than it is in New York, where it is pouring, has for the last couple of days. So a downpour uh, probably going to happen uh, later on this afternoon, ruining everyone's uh, you know barbecue plans, including yours truly. Start with a little NBA last night. We got some overtime hockey, though, to get to. It is amazing the difference between the two sports. Uh, we got streaks continuing in baseball. Uh, believe it or not, who knew? Who knew? The Indianapolis 500 is today. I got to tell you, you know, I look at all the sports pages. I get a couple of newspapers delivered. I check all the websites, you know, whether it's the podcast or hear the morning show or everything else uh, that I do. I, I did not read one article, not one, not even a mention, not a little tweet, not a little twerp on Twitter. Uh, nothing about the Indianapolis 500 being today. And I, I, I'm not a... a you know, a geek. Uh, I'm not into NASCAR, not into the auto racing scene at all. You know, follow it just because we I'll tell you how little this exists in the sports world. I have a podcast. We have pools and contests on everything. We, we got basketball pools. We got football pools. We got baseball pools. We got hockey pools. We got hiking pools with Doc George. We got the Dow Jones pools. We had a pool on when my generator was going to get installed. I mean, you name it. We have a pool on it with our podcast, right? All for free merchandise. Uh, go to the website if you want to be part of that. And there, and I have a lot of puckheads that uh, you know love hockey. I got a lot of gearheads that love the NASCAR scene. We've had Daytona, or Daytona 500 pools. We've had golf pools. Not a mention, not a mention at all about the Indianapolis 500. And we will have a pool. We got a no-hitter pool. We'll, we'll have a pool on how long it'll take a cockroach to cross the street. And yet nothing, nothing about the Indianapolis 500. And lo and behold, here it is today. So, uh, six minutes past the hours. We welcome in our full audience on this a Sunday morning, getting you just uh, underway on a uh, Hopefully, it'll turn out to be a beautiful day, but uh, around here, it's not. But, uh, yeah, so we got the Indianapolis 500 today, and we have the start of really, truly, dare I say it, you know, one of the locks of all sports handicapping. That starts today as well. This is an absolute must-do without a shadow of a doubt play. You have to play uh, if you want to make yourself a couple of shekels. So we'll get to it all uh, on this, this Sunday morning. We will start with the NBA, where we had more of the same it is remarkable. I'll give you the numbers here in a second. But more blowouts yesterday. Not a one game. We had four games to choose from. Not a one finished within single digits. 
Jazz finished off the blowout day yesterday, although it wasn't necessarily a blowout, <clears throat> excuse me, but <clears throat> they did win by 10, 121-111. Uh, you had the 76ers winning by 29. You had the Jailblazers winning by 20. You had the Bucks winning by 17. I mean, it has been blowout after blowout after blowout. Good hunch play if you like playing hunches, which we all kind of do. This one kind of flew under the radar. You know, we didn't do a show yesterday, so I couldn't have told you it anyway. But Mike Conley, back in Memphis for the first time, you know, in a playoff scenario. Utah Jazz guard. He's been away from Memphis for a couple of years now. But th this is like, <clears throat> you know, at this level, postseason, like really a big thing for him. He had spent, what, uh, eight years, nine years, whatever it was in, in Memphis. Good player. Um, he had 27 points last night. I bet his prop was right around 17 or 18 or so. That, you know, if you like playing hunches, as again, as we all do, him going back to Memphis for the first time in the postseason, you know, with all the attention being spent to John Morant and then Donovan Mitchell, and rightfully so, <clears throat> you know, he was kind of flying under the radar. Yeah, he goes for 27 last night. He easily eclipsed his total. Like I said, it was probably around 17 or 18 or so. Uh, that, that was a good little hunch play that uh, hopefully you are able to cash in on. We got a few more, <clears throat> though, later on today. So no worries if you did. We got some hockey props. We got some NBA props. We got uh, some tennis, believe it or not. And uh, who knows? Maybe we'll even throw an Indy 500 pick down as well. Just getting underway. Opposite picks on Sunday morning. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Conley. Oh, Conley falling away, moving to his left. 22-9. to nine. Oh. To Gobert from Conley and the throwdown evens things up at 107. Mitchell got Allen off his feet, puts it on the deck, goes at Valanciunas, oh, counted boy. at one. What a shot by Mitchell, who's still down. Brooks just one of six from outside. Here's yeah. Mitchell for three. Yeah. Big hit by Donovan Mitchell, swishing it through. He's got 25, throws it to Mitchell, and Utah looking to run with Morant trailing. They've got a five on four. Conley with the dump down to go bear. Foul nice. and count it. You're listening to Opposite Picks with Scott Wetzel on Sports Grid Radio, Sirius XM Channel 204. Uh, there you go, Jazz Radio Network with the call as Utah does go on to win by 10, 121, 111. Donovan Mitchell, really two stories. Mitchell, 10 of the Jazz final, 14 points, finished up with uh, 29. Former Grizz, Mike Conley, 27. So, again, good little hunt there on Conley. Uh, Mitchell's numbers go over as well. So, Utah takes a 2-1 series lead. Philadelphia, as I mentioned before the break, buried Washington by 29, 132-103. All five starters and double figures for the 76ers. Uh, that I mentioned there in the Jazz Radio Network with the call. Uh, Joel and B, 36 points. Starters didn't play the fourth quarter. That's how easy this thing was from start to finish. I, I don't know how that is. Philadelphia is better than Washington. We know that. But they're not 29 points better than Washington. I mean, Washington facing basically elimination. You're down 0-2. You come home. You're in the postseason and, and you get walloped by 29. Man, oh, man, oh, man. Um, that, that That is just – how does that happen? I mean, I, I mean, it's just – I don't get that. I really um, – you know, to not show up at all for a postseason game, I, I just uh, – 
I don't get it. I, I don't get it. You, you got a triple-double out of Westbrook, but, you know, basically you got nothing really out of the entire team. You really, again, there there's a great example, right? I, I can't give you a better example of how uh, Russell Westbrook's numbers are just flawed. They, they, they just are. I mean, 26 points, 12 rebounds, and 10 assists. Boy, you'd think, wow, that, that's a great, great performance, this, that, what have you. They got a chance to win. They should win the basketball game, uh, blah, 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 blah. And they lose by 29 points. You want to say it wasn't his fault? Well, he was minus 15. Now, that's not as bad as some of the other guys, but his plus-minus rating, minus 15. You know, uh, Bertans was minus 34. Bradley Beal, minus 29. Akamura minus 24. Uh, Len was minus 14, and he's minus 15. That means that when you're on the court, the opposing team has scored, in the case of Westbrook, 15 more points. For Beal, 29. When he was on the court, they they were outscored. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's embarrassing. So, you know, we're going to go through this era, and these guys are all going to brag about the numbers they put up. And, and Westbrook is right into that mix, you know, setting the record this year for most triple-doubles and everything else. But you and I can get a triple-double. I mean, he, he has 12 rebounds. He's got a seven-footer. <laughs> Here's the Washington Wizards for you, right? Russell Westbrook, the point guard, no less. Not, not even just the guard, but the point guard has 12 rebounds, and then they have a seven-foot center who has two. All right, that, that's all you need to know about some of these. You know, some guy hustle and some guys don't. Westbrook, to his credit, hustles. He go gets those rebounds. He's up and down the court. He's got energy galore. But, you know, does it produce winning basketball? No, it does not. 132-103. What a joke. <laughs> that is an embarrassment. Jail Blazers bury the Nuggets 115-95. to That was over as well. You know, here's the sad thing about all these games. You know, they were basically over from the outset. 76ers lead by eight after one. They lead by 14 at the half ball game over. Jailblazers lead by eight after one. They lead by 10 after two. They blow it open in the third period. <clears throat> you know, I scored them by 17. So they went by 27 in the third ball game over. The Bucks take care of the Heat, 120-103. They were actually trailing after one. So Miami did come out with a little bit of effort. And then it went downhill from there, um, really from the third quarter on, as, as Miami was leading by five at the half. Another awful performance. I, I tell you what, you know, there's a number of different poll questions. Every once in a while, you kind of struggle for a poll question. We, I could have come up with about 20 for today, and and one of them could have been the, the, the biggest dud this postseason. Uh, you could throw Julius Randle into the mix with the New York Knicks, and you could throw Jimmy Butler into the mix as well with the Miami Heat. 12 points last night. Really, yesterday afternoon, 12 points, 4 of 15 shooting. Boy, if you were playing his over props, as I fully understand why you would, continuing to think, okay, this is going to be the game, or this is going to be the game, or this is going to be the game he's going to break out, you know, don't do it with Randall. And the best example I can give you is Jimmy Butler, because he's in the same boat, best player on the team, uh, not necessarily carrying the team like Randall has the Knicks, but but clearly the best player on the team, not playing well. And you thought after game one clunker, he'd come out in game two. Then after game two clunker, he'd come out in game three. And after game three clunker, he'd come out in game four. And it just never happened. You know, 17, 10, 19, but on seven of 17 shooting and 12. Never got 20 points once in a best of seven series in 2021 against a team that wants to run and gun and go up and down the court, he didn't hit 20 points one lousy time. 
He shot Butler did four of 15 yesterday, seven of 17 in game three, four of 10 in game three, uh, two. So he barely even shot the ball. And then four of 22 in game one. You know, you, you wouldn't think this would happen to a veteran player, but I wonder if that four of 22 in game one just shook him. I, I mean, you wouldn't think so, right? But man, he shot eight, 12. He shot 90 for the series. He shot 31%. 31. 19 of 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 59, 64. 19 of 64. That is just putrid. Uh, four of 15 from three-point land in the series. Just just absolutely. And a guy, again, a guy who wants to think he's among the best in the NBA. And depending on how far you want to go best, he is. But top five, not even close. Top 10, not even close. Top 15, not even close. Uh, he'd probably be borderline top 20, probably top 25, uh, realistically. Top 30, he's in that, you know, between 25 and 30 category. Carried them, helped them to the playoffs last year. You know, uh, helped them, carried them to the NBA Finals last year. But just, uh, just an awful performance. And I tell you, one of the best uh, betting systems there are came through again in that series. And it's you have another one set up. And that is, I've been following this for a long time. You bet on a team that's up three games to none that's playing game four on the road, like Milwaukee was. And the thinking is this. When a team is down two zip, as Miami was heading into uh, the other day, they know they can't go down 3 nothing, especially in the NBA, right? Literally, there's what, two teams that have come back from 3 nothing series down. So they put all of their effort. The place is rocking the arena. They're down 2-zip. They put all their effort into winning Game 3. And then when they lose Game 3, which sets up this scenario, they're deflated. They know the series is over. We're not winning four in a row. We got a game four, but you know what? We're done. We're going to go home. Let's get the season over with. And they lose game four. And they generally don't cover. And that was the case. Because they know in the back of their mind, you know what? Even if we win game four, we got to go on the road. We got to fly, in this case, to Milwaukee. We're going to get our ass kicked on the road in game five. Why bother? You know, these players don't care enough. Fans do. Fans hold out hope, say just one game at a time. But the players, no. They give it all in a game three. They lose and they give up in a game four. And I'm telling you right now, the same thing is going to happen with the Washington Wizards. Uh, I'm not sure what the line is. We could check here because I'm sure it's going to be out in a couple of minutes if it's not out already. But Philadelphia will be, I'm guessing, you know, a seven or eight point favorite at Washington. And the same scenario is going to be there. Washington down three zip. Now, they didn't exactly give their all last night, but any hope they had of winning is out the window. So it came through nicely in that uh, Milwaukee Bucks. It's one of the best systems. I got a lot of little systems and hunches and trends and everything else. That is the one of the all-time classics. You bet on a team that's up three zip and game four has to be on the road with game five. Uh, you know, being in the other uh, team's uh, building. So, opposite picks on a Sunday morning, Sports Grid Radio. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
Bears have tied it. Travis Dermott lost it inside the line. Chance Kotkaniemi scores! Yes, Perry Kotkaniemi. And there will be a Game 7 Monday night. Ah, yes. Canadians force... The two best words in sports, Game 7. How about that? And isn't it remarkable? We took the Wetzel Black Cloud, the Wetzel Neighbor Black Cloud, off our shots on goal, and it came through again last night. <laughs> it is funny how some of these things work out. I know it's just quirky. I know, but eh, who knows? Maybe not. Uh, NHL, we'll start with that before I get to the explanation. At 26 past the hour, Scott Wetzel on a Sunday morning uh, right here on Opposite Picks uh, Sports Grid Radio, Series XM204. So they go to overtime last night. There's a, Montreal blows another two-goal lead, just like they did in Game 5, as the Canadians, or as the uh, the Maple Leafs scored twice in the final eight and a half minutes. They tied the game, goes to overtime with another NHL game. And uh, Montreal ends up winning it, as they did in Game 5, 3-2, with about four minutes left uh, in uh, the first overtime session. So they force a Game 7. That is now the seventh straight Maple Leafs loss with a chance to clinch a series. That is the second longest in NHL history. This is why I told you at the beginning of this series that the Canadians were live dogs. Not that they're necessarily better than uh, Toronto. They're not. I mean, from top to bottom, outside of the goaltending, you know, Toronto was 10 times the better team. But you get a team that has a history of choking and not being able to seal the deal. Fans back in the arena last night up in Montreal, they said 2,500. But I got to tell you, whatever they showed the crowd, I'll eat my hat if there were only 2,500 people in the stands. There were fans, I would say, one out of every three seats. There were a lot more than 2,500. But that said, you know, another loss, seven straight loss. And, again, this is why I said that Montreal is a plus 175 or so dog, was, was a live dog, as they like to say. Um, in this series because Toronto with the choke factor, oh my goodness, you know, having never lived in Toronto or Canada, um, I, I can only imagine, but I know enough to know that, um, you know, the pressure on them is like the Stankies, the Dookie Pukies, you know, Tiger Woods on a back nine, you know, throw the pressure on all three of those uh, teams' players to win. That That's what it's like for Toronto, right? Even, you know, tenfold more so than Montreal because the Canadians, you know, have their long history of winning all these Stanley Cups. It's been about 70 years since the Maple Leafs have won uh, 60 anyway. So, and, and they choke every single year. Four first-round ousters. The last four times they've been in a postseason with every one of those thinking they had a legitimate chance to maybe not win the cup, but at least get to the cup finals or Eastern Conference finals. And they've lost every single series, a couple times being up threes. And uh, lo and behold, they're in the process of blowing a 3-1 series lead. Oh, my goodness. If they lose game seven tomorrow and they blow another big-time series lead, that's the thing. They're not getting swept in these series. They're, they're actually leading these series. Wow. I did think Toronto was going to win last night, so I can't say, boy, you got to be nuts to, to put American money, Canadian money on, on Toronto. Uh, but I'm not going to do a game seven, I'll tell you that. You'd have to be crazy. There are, FanDuel already has them as minus 215, I saw earlier this morning. I mean, you'd have now you'd have to be nuts. Uh, you'd have to be crazy. Uh, 215 tomorrow night in Toronto. 
I don't know how many fans they're going to allow in, in Toronto's arena, but I'm, I'm guessing the same 2,500 or so. But you'd have to be nuts to lay minus 250. You talk about a lot. You have two – I hate this phrase. I really do. And I bring it up all the time. I fall prey to it. But uh, you have two live dogs. Um, although I don't hate that phrase as much as getting value. At, at least, you know, at least the live dog, you're kind of taking a stamp. But you have two monster live dogs in the NHL. Th- this is the beauty of the NHL. It's a you know probably a precursor to my shots on goals that we do so well with, in that not enough people bet hockey, so you could put a line out there, and it's not going to change even if you know it's a bad line like Toronto as I mentioned it's three three it's anybody's series they've just blown not only have they lost the last two they really had no business going to overtime in the last two games it's not like they had big leads and blew big leads late and you can write that off as a fluke. They've had to rally these last two games just to force overtime before they lost. So there's no business. They have no business in the world being a minus 215 favorite. You want to make a minus 185, 175? Okay, I get it. But 215? You'd have to be nuts to do that. Uh, And the other live dog is Las Vegas today. Game one, showdown in the West, Colorado, at home against Las Vegas. And uh, Colorado is a monster 196 favorite for not only the game tonight, but they're minus 194 in the series as well with FanDuel. Uh, Listen, these are statistically anyway, whether you want to argue otherwise, but stats-wise, they had the second, you know, one-two as far as points are concerned, the best two teams in the league. And you're going to make one a nearly two-to-one favorite over the other? Wow. See, if that was baseball, well, we'll give you a football. That's like, um, pick a good team. That's like Tampa Bay, you know, Kansas City in the Super Bowl, right? That's like Tampa Bay being a 10-point favorite in the Super Bowl. And then Kansas City better saying, or regular betters just saying, all right, that's crazy. You know, Tampa Bay may win, but I, you know what? I'm not laying 10. Um, you know, we're going to bet that down, and that would probably end up going down to like five or six, right? If not even more so. That's what that line is. But there are so few betters in hockey that there's not enough people to acknowledge and realize it's a bad line. It just is. Now, listen, Colorado may win just like Toronto may win tomorrow, but you know, you get, you'd have to be nuts to lay two to one on, on Colorado when you have a team that's shown throughout the season to be just as good. I get it. Vegas is coming off an emotional game seven, but you know what? Don't put too much credence into that. I've been following sports way too long to realize it's actually not the first game, but the second game after a game like they had the other night that hits the team. Uh, you know, a team will travel, and, and the circumstances are awful. And you think, okay, they played the night before in New York, and they had to fly all the way to L.A. And they got to play the very next night. They're going to get crushed, right? No, they actually do well that first game because the adrenaline is flowing. It's the second game after the first game that they sit back and say, okay. They, they kind of take a breath and realize the situation they're in. So if you're betting Colorado – and, and listen, the boys in Vegas, the FanDuel, uh, have propped that line up, I would think, because of that a little bit. But but don't. I'm, I'm telling you. You think Colorado's going to win? Okay. But if you're doing it because Vegas had to play, you know, two nights ago in an emotional game seven, then I'm telling you, you're going to be wrong. So you have Vegas as a monster 165 favorite or underdog. That's pretty darn good. 
for a, for a series that should go seven uh, to be uh, getting those odds that that's again pretty good. And same thing with Montreal getting plus one eighty five, uh, eighty four to be exact for, for tomorrow night's game. And I bet you, and, and as we speak, uh, the line went up to two twenty. <laughs> I kid you not. So it's the opposite picks approach, I suppose, because I'm, I'm here. I am uh, yelling and screaming about Toronto being a two fifteen favorite. Literally, as we speak, the line jumps to two minus two twenty. Who who's who's laying two twenty on a team that's got a history of choking? That's why you think you know some of these gamblers are like, oh, they're the smartest people in the world. This that no, no, they're not. They're, they're just as stupid as you and I. That they really are. Yeah, you'd have to be crazy. Like I said, nuts, nuts to do that. So minus two twenty now in the Maple Leafs, and then minus one ninety six on on Colorado, and then you have Tampa Bay and Carolina. Oh, by the way, that's a pick'em series. So as as it probably should be. Here's the difference between the NHL. And, and the basketball players, right? I told you at the top there, another blowout, another blowout, another blowout, another blowout, four straight blowouts in the NBA. Meanwhile, it ended up being a 5-2 game. Bruins beat the Islanders, but that was a close game. They, they scored a couple of late goals. Uh, and then you had the overtime game. NBA, you've had 26 postseason games so far, not counting those uh, goofy play-in games. So 26 playoff games. Guess how many little pop quiz have been decided by double digits? NHL, give me the answer here in a second. You've had 51 playoff games. Guess how many have been decided by one goal and then two goals as well? NBA, here's the difference between the two leagues. NBA games, 26, 16 have been decided by double digits. Only 10 of 26 playoff games where you're supposed to theoretically have the two best teams or two of the best teams, right? Their postseason, their playoff games. So they should be somewhat evenly matched here. Only 10 of 26 games have been decided by single digits. It's blowout after blowout after blowout. Amazing. NHL, on the other hand, 51 games. Almost half, 25, have been decided by one goal. Six more by two goals, which a lot of those, I'm sure, are empty net situations, so it really should have been a one-goal game. So 32 goals or less games, only 19, three goals or more. There, There's the NHL. Now, it tends to even itself out a little bit. Second, third, fourth round in the NBA when you when you do get better matchups, but first round NBA playoffs are just a joke, just just an absolute joke. I mean, you've had ten out of twenty six be decided by single digits. Meanwhile, the NHL is overtime after overtime after overtime and one goal games after one goal games after one goal games. So. All right, opposite picks just getting underway. We'll take a look at baseball next. And and actually some tennis, believe it or not. A lock of all locks starts today. That's next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Down the right field line. Going to be a long run for Solaire. He's not going to get there. Here comes Donaldson. And he will score. And it might be a history-making run. At the mercy. 
mercy of the feed I'm getting. I believe that Josh Donaldson has just scored the two millionth run in Major League history. You're listening to Opposite Picks with Scott Wetzel on Sports Grid Radio, Sirius XM Channel 204. Yeah, good old uh, baseball comes uh, forward again in 2021. Josh Donaldson supposedly scored the two millionth run in Major League Baseball history yesterday for the Minnesota Twinkies. Uh, Or did he? Actually, he didn't, believe it or not. Only in 2021. Well, geez, got all the headlines I'm seeing. Four-letter network, CBS, Fox, you know, Sports Illustrated, blah, 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 blah. I'll give them all free plugs here. They all, all say he scored his two millionth run. What's going on? Well, he did and he didn't. He did for now. He did for uh, May 30th, 2021. But uh, come on, figure sometime in June or July, then it's going to be wiped off the board. Why? Because as they did with the one millionth run, Major League Baseball, in its infinite wisdom to give in to the left, has decided that they're now going to incorporate league stats from other leagues. And because uh, we're going to have the Negro Leagues be incorporated into Major League stats, this millionth run, which they've yet to do, which this this millionth run is not going to be the millionth run. It's going to be the million, the two millionth, and I don't know how many uh, Negro League games there were. There are a, a gazillion of them, right? So I, I don't know how how they're going to find all the box scores and how the scores of those get the scores of the games. But once those are incorporated into Major League Baseball's official stats, then this is not going to be the two millionth run. So it's a temporary thing for Josh Donaldson and the Minnesota Twins if they want to celebrate, as they did with Bob Watson, who scored the millionth run uh, back in the 70s. I remember that. But then they later incorporated the Federal League and Union Association stats. Don't ask why. Uh, and then all of a sudden, it wasn't Bob Watson getting the millionth run. So it, it's really, listen, I'm all for putting those guys in a Hall of Fame. You want to put them in a the Hall of Fame? Listen, the NBA doesn't have a Hall of Fame, right? It's the Basketball Hall of Fame. So they have not only, you know, college players. They got high school players. They got females. They got high school females. They got high school refs. I mean, you name it, anything pertaining to the basketball, it's in the Basketball Hall of Fame. It's not the NBA Hall of Fame. But this is Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. It's not baseball's Hall of Fame. So I, I just I don't quite understand uh, why you'd want to put those stats uh, into the rules, but they are. So celebrate as long as you want, Josh Donaldson, but it's not going to last long. Speaking of baseball yesterday, how about the San Diego Fathers? Boy, rally past Houston 11-8. I'm starting to buy into them. You know, I, I didn't early on. Because there was so much hype around them. And whenever there's a lot of hype around a team, it's like, yeah, you know. And they got off to a slow start. They did. I remember them getting swept by the Dodgers there. And kind of L.A. put San Diego in its place. But since uh, right around that time, they have taken off. And if they continue, every once in a while, you know, you get the sense like the magic. You need you know 160-plus games in a long season. You need to have a little something extra uh, on your side. And it does seem like San Diego may have that. See yesterday's game, they're down 6-3, top of the ninth inning, two on, two out, Fernando Tatis naturally uh, batting. And if you're the Houston Astros, you know, I'll get to them in a second here. 
But he hits a pop-up, foul ball, first base side, relatively easy play. You know, it's it's a foul ball. First baseman for the Astros misses the ball. <laughs> this is a ball that you and I probably could have caught, right? I mean, it's it's, it's a simple pop-up. He's not, you know, he is running towards, uh, you know, the stands, but he's there in time, and he just kind of overshot it, and the ball lands about three feet behind him. Uh, some dude, Jones, never heard of him, right? So you know what's going to happen. You know, if there was a bet on FanDuel, Taylor Jones, who the fudge is Taylor Jones? Uh, he's batting 158. No wonder we've never heard of him. All right, so good old Taylor gives Fernando Tatis, of all people, another opportunity, right? You know, if there was a bet on FanDuel that said, all right, what's going to happen with Tatis in this at bat? You know, <laughs> I would have put everything on him hitting a home run or at least a base hit. You know when a defender botches a play as much as good old Taylor Jones did, you just know the next pitch or two, he, it's going to be disaster. You don't give good players like Tatis basically two outs. Lo and behold, very next pitch, three-run homer. A monster shot. They say 448 feet. I still doubt how they really can determine how far the ball is going. They can estimate, but they're not, not to the point of like 448 feet versus 450. No. Three-run homer. They tie the game at six. Uh, they go on to win an extra innings, eleven to eight, as they got another three-run homer from uh, from Will Myers, and they win it again, eleven to eight. How about that? In a, in a game that should have been over, should have been over. Now, as far as the Astros are concerned, now listen, <clears throat> I get it that Eric Hosmer is batting behind Tatis Jr. He's a you know pretty good player. He's not a stiff, obviously, right? But he is one for five at this point, and. I don't know. I look at Tatis Jr. and say, he's not beating me. Two guys aren't beating me. Really one. You know, it, it's really Tatis Jr. I'll even pitch to Manny Machado who's hitting a lousy 233. I am, with with first base open, I don't know. It's just the thinking has kind of gone out of baseball altogether. It used to be the sport where maybe football with all the play calling that that would be the most but you know baseball used to be the sport where you had to think the most hockey all right line changes big deal any mope can do that basketball throw the five guys out there let them play any mope can do that football you know again you get to call offensive plays and defensive plays so that's not too too bad but baseball was the one whether it's a fastball whether it's a curve whether there's a shift whether you're going to pinch hit whether you're going to keep the pitcher in there you're going to face the lefty is he going to face the righty you know all these things am i going to advance the runner or you know, run around first nobody out down to run am i going to bunt them over even now you got to run around second you know in these extra rating games am i going to bunt them to third there's so much thinking that's what made you know, that's the hook on baseball, them and, and the stats, right? But it just seems like these managers are brain dead now. They, they don't, like, do any thinking whatsoever. It's the old Earl Weaver three-run homer. I'm going to win or lose based on that. I'm not going to bunt guys over. I'm not going to steal bases. I'm not going to do hit and runs. I'm not, you know, I'll take the, my pitchers out all the freaking time. That'll do. But you got first base open, to make a long story short here, and you got the best hitter by far, by far, on the team batting. I know you're putting the tying run on first base. I get that. And that's a, you know, an old no-no. But 
I'm not letting Fernando Tatis, who can hit a home run with the best of them, beat me. I'm just – I'll pitch to Eric Hosmer. And if Eric Stink and Hosmer can beat me, then so be it. Uh, righty versus lefty, who cares? Who I'd rather face the lefty Hosmer against my righty bat pitcher than I would Tatis Jr. And look what happens. Three-run homer, they go on to win it. So good job by the Padres, who now are 34-19. and 19. Boy, there have been some teams. Not that they've done it quietly. I, I won't say that, but uh, they were right around 500 after like 15, 16 games or so, right? Let me just check their record. They were, uh, yeah, they were uh, uh, 10 and 10 after 20 games. So they have at, at 20 games, 10 and 10, they are 10 and 10, 24 and 9 since then. They have taken off. And they have played, you know, played some obviously real good baseball. So nice win yesterday. Couple of things here. Well, before we get to the the full baseball, because I want to get this in because this has started already. The French Open. Not only do we have the Indianapolis 500 today, we got the French Open started today in tennis. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, who cares about the French Open, right, Scott? Well, I do actually, because it creates one of the best betting opportunities you will have all year there's really only two that come to mind joey chestnut winning the nathan's hot dog eating contest man go ahead and laugh this guy is as automatic there is no better easier bet in all of i should say easier because you have to lay almost 20 to 1 but there is no sure lock in sports betting than Joey Chestnut winning the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest on July 4th. There, there, there just isn't. He just blows the field away. If you're willing to lay those odds, the, the, he's not losing, okay? He's not choking on a hot dog. He's not calling it quits like some of these other athletes can do. Um, he takes pride in it for whatever reason. I don't know why, but he does. Uh, that is by far the most easiest winning play uh, you can make right alongside him is Rafa Nadal at the French Open and FanDuel. I got to tell you, they're doing you a huge favor. Got to enjoy the guys at FanDuel. They're throwing you a little Memorial Weekend, uh, you know, holiday present here. They're making Rafi a minus 115 favorite to win it all. This guy wins French. After French, after French, after French, after French Open. He is a French Open machine. Nobody comes close to him. All right, you could put him in the finals. Pick anybody, whoever, uh, you know, Djokovic or any of the new guys coming up. It doesn't matter. He's going to be a three-to-one favorite. He will be, believe it or not. Maybe against Joker, um, you know, maybe he'd be like a two-to-one favorite, two-and-a-half. But I'm telling it won't even be close to minus 115. So you got to do it. You, you just, uh, you ha- I, was, I hit the Australian Open. They listed him at plus 850. I'm like, whoa, what happened there? Uh, but no, it's minus 115. Uh, for some reason, they put the French Open second after the Australian Open on, on FanDuel. But he's as good a lock as you'll ever get. As good a lock. Go ahead and do it. He's not losing. And like I said, at worst, now he does have the draw. Also, it's a good point. He has the draw where he only has to face uh, Djokovic or Federer if you think those two can meet up in the semifinals. 
He doesn't have either one of those on his side of the bracket. So he's only facing one of those, which figures to be Joker. So he, his draw is even easy. He's not losing. He, he just automatic play. The other thing I like to do with the French is take the top 10 women players, according to FanDuel, and we're going to bet against them every single match. What? Why? It's kind of like our golf majors where we take the top 10 guys and we bet them to not make the cut and we would have won money in the masters uh and we we did win money or we would have won money in the pga championship and uh we won money in the masters doing that right it's the same philosophy french on clay i won't bore you too much here with this but you know their upsets galore especially on the women's side especially on the women's side so we're going to take the top 10 some have already started their matches, and we're going to play against them from here on out. All right, so we got uh, Iga Swiatek. We got Ashley Barde. Uh, we got Sabalenka. Uh, we got Mitsugura. We got Andrescu. Uh, top 10, we got Serena Williams. We're going to bet against them every single match. And you're getting monster odds. You know, they're all right around plus a 7 uh, or minus 7 to 1 to win. I bet you, pardon the pun, that will win money. Follow along. Be patient with it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. On it. This is the SportsGrid Radio Network. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Opposite picks on a Sunday morning, 57 past the hour, closing out hour number one. So women's French Open, I'm going to base it on 150 just to make it easy, uh, you know, calculating-wise. But obviously, you do what you need to do. We're either going to play them a full or a half. Top 10 women players based on the odds, not not the rankings, but the odds that FanDuel has. The favorite is Iga Swiatek. Uh, take it on Kaja Juvan. Never heard of her, right? So this Juvan chick is plus 1,400, and we're going to put a half a play on her. Ashley Barde is taking on uh, Bernarda Perra, who's a plus 720. Uh, we're going to go uh, half a play on uh, good old Perra there. Let me uh, switch that to, to 50 bucks. Okay. Uh, Arena Sabalenka is uh, minus 470 against Anna Zhu. We're going to put 100 bucks on Zhu. Uh, Garbine Maguruza is a, a solid favorite, uh, plus 330 on Marta Kostyuk. Never heard of her. I've fooled on her. Osaki already won. Uh, Bianca Andrescu is, we're going to put 100 bucks on uh, Tamara Zidenzak. Z-I-D-E-N-S-A-K. Got a rookie card at plus 150 only. Petra Kvitova, here's what I'm talking about. She's taking on Greet Minin. I don't know if that's any relation to Menon deodorant. She's a plus 980, this Menon chick. She won the first set. Fudge. If she ends up winning, that's really going to suck because we started this late today. Uh, we got the Arena Camellia Bigu against Serena Williams at plus 255. Uh, Alexander Kruknik at plus 520 against Corey Goff. 
Uh, we got uh, Paula Badosa already winning, so we avoided a loss on her. And some uh, chick, Ocean Babel, at plus 240, we're going to put a half a play on her against Alina Split, uh, Split Molina, who's a bit of a looker, I must say, going out with Gail Monfils. So that's our women's. That's right. You get it all here on Opposite Picks. Uh, anybody can bet NBA and hockey and baseball. We go full extreme. That's our women's French Open strategy. We're going against the top 10 odds on women. All right, hour number two coming up next.